You're listening to the RSA Conference podcast, where the world talks security. Hello and welcome to today's RSA Conference podcast. This is Casey Zirkus, content strategist with RSA Conference. Listeners, some of you may know that I am, in normal times when gyms are open, a yoga instructor. I've been practicing yoga for decades and teaching for nearly five years. So when Elliot Franklin suggested having a discussion around balancing the demands of running and managing the security program with taking care of ourselves, I was over the moon. So I'm super excited to be joined today by Elliot Franklin and Betsy Cooper, and I'd love for each of you to take a moment to introduce yourselves. Betsy? My name is Betsy Cooper, and I am the director of the Aspen Tech Policy Hub. Uh, We are an incubator training technologists how to do policy based in the Bay Area. And uh, before that, I ran the UC Berkeley Center for Long-Term Cybersecurity. And Elliot? Yes, I'm so happy to be on today. Thanks, uh, Casey. I have served, uh, had the privilege of serving in the IT industry for a little over 20 years now. Uh, And the last 17 have really been primarily focused on infrastructure and security. Uh, My passion is really security strategy and digital transformation and and being a partner with business leaders and and helping board members understand enterprise risk and what it is and how the security and IT teams can go in and add new capabilities that help protect our companies, but they can also add uh, and be service and product differentiators. Um, I also have a large family, and as a result, I, I love to teach Internet safety courses for kids and parents, and I also have the privilege of serving on some local professional boards and associations. So you stay rather busy. <laughs> so thank you I both do. so much. That's great. And I really appreciate both of you taking the time to be here with us today. One thing I particularly appreciate about today's podcast is that we are continuing to give life to this year's theme at Conference of the Human Element. What I love most is that this is not a singular conversation, which speaks to the need we all have to acknowledge and tend to our needs as human beings. And I have had so many of these human element-focused conversations with cybersecurity industry experts. It's really wonderful. So my first question for each of you is, how are you? I'd love to hear from both of you about how you have been coping, both personally and professionally during this pandemic, and how you're moving forward. Betsy, let's start with you. Thanks so much. Um, So overall, I'm doing well and very grateful that I'm able to do well in these circumstances. Uh, We were wrapping up the last day of the Aspen Tech Policy Hub Winter Cohort, at the time that the shutdowns first started happening in uh, mid-March. So we were able to get all of our fellows safely back to their homes, and we were able to do the vast majority of programming that we'd planned. And so this was really meant to be downtime in between cohorts, releasing new materials. And so professionally, it's actually not all that different uh, from what I imagined. Obviously, personally, there's a tremendous change in suddenly working from home. My husband, who has commuted for the past eight and a half years to a place about an hour from where we live, is suddenly at home with me every day. It's actually been wonderful in that sense. Um, So, you know, there's definitely been changes in terms of travel plans and 
extracurricular activities, exercise. Um, it definitely hasn't all been easy, but I've been really grateful for this time with my husband and that we were able to complete our program as we'd intended. So overall, uh, feeling a lot of thanks for the situation we're in. That's lovely. Elliot? Yeah, um, like, like Betsy, I mean, I, I've been super, super blessed during this time. Uh, I, I remember it was uh, Friday, March 13th. Friday the 13th was the last day I was in the office, so it's been going on nine weeks, I think, like most of us. You know, I, having six kids, four cats, and a bearded dragon, there's always something fun going on at my house. Uh, my wife is a real superhero. She keeps everything running while while I'm working from home in my office. You know, it, it, it's certainly a, a challenge for myself personally in terms of, you know, getting up and coming down to, to my office at while I'm a real introvert, you know, it's really helped me realize that I, I need people. I didn't think I did, uh, but I, I, I do. So, I mean, I've attended many Zoom meetups like most of us. I've had Zoom happy hours. I've listened to many podcasts, and that's really helped keep me sane. Um, I'm also working on my MBA. I was doing that prior to, to when this started, and that was all online. So that's forced me to stay focused. And then just from a political side, you know, in terms of all the social media and different things, I was staying off of that ahead of time before this happened. It's it's interesting that following certain people on certain posts can really get your anger going. And so I think that's helped me personally as well is not really following, uh, you know, politics or news, uh, keeping off of social media as much as I can. Elliot, I want to talk to you about your role as director of IT governance and security for Lowe's Hotels. It's a big job at a global corporation that is likely both demanding and stressful. Can you share with the listeners some self-care practices you engage in to help manage the stress and bring some balance into your life, particularly with everything that you've got going on? You know, you've got a crowded home there, and finding balance is really difficult, I imagine. You know, it, it, it is, and, and I'm, you know, I wasn't very disciplined regarding self-care, probably just up until maybe the last uh, two or three years, and and that's really what prompted me to submit the topic that I did back in in February for RSA conference. Uh, when, when I started, you know, I started having problems sleeping. I had some anxiety. You know, I knew I knew it was time for for something to change. I was pretty, you know, I had a pretty stressful job, so I found some great podcasts to listen to. I started working out uh, at least three days a week, and I really started reaching out of my comfort zone, again, as being an introvert, and, and I started scheduling coffee with different people. Um, some are from my church, some are peers from other local, you know, security companies here in the area, and I, and I noticed the difference almost immediately, you know, working out 30 minutes to an hour a day, even if you don't know what you're doing, which which I don't. Um, I think it's the fact that, you know, you're just, you're exercising, you're, you're raising your heart rate, and that's really helped me from a self-care perspective, but I would say probably the last thing is sleep, um, making sure that I get enough sleep every night. And I know that's different for every person. Uh, but for me, I try to get you know seven, eight hours a night and to make sure that I get off of my screen at least an hour before I go to bed. Um, you know, I'm charging my phone away from my bed. That That's really helped me. And I mentioned this in my talk too, but I've learned many great tips from a book by Cal Newport called Digital Minimalism. And he talks about going on like a digital uh, cleanse or digital fast and after I read that book last year, I wiped my phone and I only reinstalled the apps that I actually have to have for work. And I turned off all the notifications except for my calendar and my texts. And and that combination of self-care has really, uh, really helped me deal with stress and in that work-life disbalance. Absolutely. And I couldn't agree with you more. Sleep is so incredibly important. And when you're not sleeping because of stress, it really just throws a wrench in the rest of your life. 
Betsy, similar question to you. What are some of the stresses in your role, also stressful and busy, as the founding director of the Aspen Tech Policy Hub? And what are your routines that help you find balance? Oh, thanks for asking. So I think the biggest challenge for us is rethinking all of our in-person programming going forward. So we're still in the process of making a lot of difficult decisions about whether we can do any in-person programming this year, and if not, uh, how we should reshape things and what we should do in the interim. So on that front, uh, we're focused on thinking about can we do sort of executive leadership programs that provides the same training for how to do policy without the in-person, you know, 10-week boot camp that we normally provide to our fellows. Can we write materials uh, both online and potentially a book about our theory of how to train people for policy? Is that a good use of our time? So, so I think the overall uh, stress is, you know, we had an operational plan for the year. We had a strategic plan. We knew what our milestones were. And now we're in that, you know, sort of strategic reevaluation process to figure out what comes next. And that's inevitably stressful. Um even if uh, pieces of it are exciting things we never thought we could fit in in 2020 might actually get prioritized um, when they seemed like long-term opportunities before. Um, in terms of my personal life, one thing that we've been doing a lot of is making sure to fit in uh, more exercise on a regular basis. So I now have in my task manager run two days a week to make sure that I have to click that I've done that and be embarrassed if I failed. Um, uh, my husband and I have taken to cooking a lot more. Um, we're trying to avoid as many things coming into our place uh, as we can because I'm on the more vulnerable side. So uh, we've been cooking almost all of our meals since the pandemic started, and we've tried, you know, Thai food and Indian food, and uh, we've made our own pizza. We've got a pretty good pizza dough recipe that we've been working on. My husband even has a sourdough starter that he feeds. Uh, we've actually taken our patio and, uh, you know, have a bird feeder. So I can see a bird that just uh, was eating out of our bird feeder and some new garden plants. You know, we're growing some of our own vegetables. And then I totally agree with the sleep. Uh, I am somebody who always needed seven and a half to eight hours a night. And it's even more important to make sure that you stay on that schedule when you don't have a commute to run to or a train or a ferry to catch in the morning uh, like you used to. So, so that being disciplined about bedtime it feels even more important now than it ever did. Absolutely, right? It's so easy to get sucked into binge watching, you know, the latest. Tiger King or Ozarks or whatever your friends are watching, but you have to put a stop to that at some point and make sure that you're getting to bed. Um, I want to go back to exercise because I think it's so hugely important and it's always been a huge part of my life. I used to run marathons and at 46 years old, I've had a full knee replacement. So I'm dealing with, you know, not being able to run and trying to find other forms of exercise. So I just bought myself a spin bike. You know, I'm, I'm trying what I can to fill that void of my running addiction. But my question to each of you is, what's your favorite form of exercise and how often are you getting it done? I must admit, I'm not much of a, an exercise person in my, uh, which is interesting because my sister's a personal trainer. And so for years and when growing up, I was the youngest kid and, and she would always be hounding me to exercise and, and work out. And I just wasn't interested. And so again, 
the last couple of years, I have started going to the gym just on the way home from work. That's kind of uh, before I pick up my kids. It's kind of my alone time. It's recharge time because when I get home, you know, it's time to let my wife have off. And I've got a full-time job now for the next, you know, four or so hours um, with the kids. And now that we've been home, uh, my kids and I have found a, uh, you know, a YouTube uh, hit workout where the trainer has like a 12-week plan. Every day something different. And it's all free. So, you know, when I'm off the clock, whether it's, you know, four or five o'clock, um, we all go down to the basement and we do a workout, you know, use a workout mat, exercise ball, a few barbells. Um, that's all that's required. And that's really been key. I mean, even, even a stressful day, you have a headache or something, go down and work out and, and it just feels so much better. You know, if I had to say a favorite form of exercise, uh, it would be doing, you know, these workouts. Ultimately, things start opening back up. I definitely look forward to getting back into the gym. Again, you just see people. You start conversations with folks. You meet folks. Um, and, again, even if you don't know what you're doing, I think just getting on an exercise machine, getting the cardio, getting some weights, um, it just helps. It helps me sleep better. Absolutely. Betsy, what about you? I know you mentioned that you're running two days a week. Anything else? And is running your favorite exercise? Oh, no. Running is definitely not my favorite exercise. (laughs) It's the one I require myself to do to keep the cardio up. My favorite uh, type of exercise is actually going up to Sonoma or Napa um, and biking um, and, you know, hopefully stopping at a few wineries along the way. Uh, There are myriad reasons why I'm unable to do that right now. Not only, of course, would all the wineries be closed, but I'm uh, 21 weeks pregnant, so therefore unable to enjoy them even if I could make that trip. Uh, But we're still getting in some biking, especially as the weather's getting a bit nicer um, in addition to the runs. And then we've tried a little bit of video yoga. Neither my husband nor I have any experience with yoga, uh, but we're trying to teach ourselves a little bit uh, using videos and just sort of those moments to sort of stress and relax and have a moment to yourself uh, definitely resonates with me through that as well. And then I actually think the most important thing is just finding time to stretch. Um, so I think we are all much more sedentary than we normally would be. I'm no longer walking around chatting with the fellows. The place where we live is quite small, so there's not much square footage to, to walk between. And so finding those times to really just sit down and stretch. You know, last night we listened to a podcast before bed and just took 20 minutes to sort of stretch out, and I felt like I slept a lot better as a result. So so maybe that will become my favorite uh, if we keep it up. Uh, I'll let you know in a few weeks. Yeah, a good stretch just feels so good. I don't do enough of that myself, so I envy your incorporating that into your routine. Um, I've heard that when some people get stressed, that that stress can cause anger and frustration and a range of other emotions. Undeniably, people are dealing with increased levels of stress right now, particularly given that the lines between our professional and personal lives are so blurred, and it is so challenging to find that balance, to find that time or ability to connect with people, that interpersonal need for relationships with others, and that alone time for ourselves, right? So how do we encourage employees to talk to others or engage in stress-relieving activities? Isn't the communication itself a delicate balancing act, Elliot? 
Yeah, you know, Casey, that's that's a great question. You know, USA Today published an article just back uh, April 30th talking about uh, how domestic violence has increased, you know, almost 30 percent since since the quarantine started. And you know it, that face-to-face communication is so important. At Lowe's, we were in the process of deploying uh, Microsoft Teams as an example when this all began, and so we accelerated that deployment. And now, in our daily stand-ups and our team meetings, we all we all use video. And that never it never happened before. You know, we we had we would have Skype calls or or those, but nobody would ever turn on their camera. And it, you know, it may seem small, but that really seems to make a difference. Uh, you know, you comment on someone's office at home or their pet sitting in their lap, really making it personal. Uh, however, you know, as a leader, we weren't doing this before. We weren't type building these relationships before. Um, it, I agree. This this could really be difficult to build and to encourage your team members. Uh, just this week, we had a happy hour with a large group of our internal IT team, a Zoom happy hour. And some of the team members are still, you know, employed. Others on the uh, happy hour are furloughed. And so you think, I mean, what a difficult, you know, situation uh, that we were all in. Uh, but it was great to see and visit with everyone and just chat about life and found that the, the little things really do matter there. I mean, I, I've sent texts to some of my team members asking how they're doing, how their kids are doing. I've sent some of them, like, online coupons, again, for, for those that are out of work. Um, it, it's not something that comes easy to me, uh, but I really think it makes a difference in morale, and hopefully it helps encourage them as well to stay positive with their family uh, at home. And so I think that you can still do the team building, uh, but it's got to be even much more intentional because, uh, again, you can't just walk to their cube and ask how the, the kids' game was the night before or something. It's got to be much more intentional. And, and you're right. Some people with that personal, they, they, they don't want to share much on their on the personal side. And so um, it, it is a definitely a delicate balancing act. Yeah. Those are all really thoughtful strategies. I appreciate that. Betsy, what about you? Um, so in addition to the team building type things, I spend a lot of time one-on-one with every member of our staff and more than ever, a lot of that is just checking in. So, uh, for each of our staff members and then for all of the 30 fellows we've had in our program so far, I've been going week by week sending notes to them just saying, hey, can, want to get on the phone or, uh, Zoom for 30 minutes so that we can just sort of check in. And then I'm just asking how they're doing, seeing if I can do anything to help, especially those that are in job transitions, trying to help support them. And then, you know, those conversations, somewhat to my surprise, do really tend to lead to people expressing what they're struggling with, whether it's trying to homeschool while they're also doing their job or just feeling down about some of the changes in their lives. And so it's been really fruitful just to take that time for those one-on-one opportunities. I have to spread them out myself so that, you know, I don't get too uh, emotionally sad or, you know, feel the emotions myself if I were trying to do those all in one stretch. But I think that's been the most effective strategy I've used to just give people the opportunity to share and to share a little bit about what's going on with you as well, which then helps them feel more comfortable sharing. And then I guess on top of that, uh, the most important thing we've done is institute as much flexibility as possible. So if somebody is having a bad day, it's okay to say, hey, why don't you just pick up that project tomorrow? Um If somebody needs more flexible work hours because of the education that they're doing, that's totally fine. You know, just check in on Slack once in a while so that we can stay in touch about how things are moving. And, you know, on occasion, sometimes you need to be more flexible and say, hey, just take the afternoon off. I can tell something's going on on the personal side. You know, don't worry about taking vacation. Just, you know, take the flexibility. I know you'll make up that time later. 
And so just remembering that first and foremost, employees are humans, um, that they're struggling more in many ways than they probably ever had before. And for us to be humans in our responsibilities to them and to find ways to, you know, give them that support makes them much more likely to want to work hard for the time that they are able to dedicate to the job. And so we found that that give and take has really been effective for us. Yeah, that's fantastic. And a shout out to my own team because I do have two littles at home. And, you know, even today we were on a team call and my girls have sort of lost respect for boundaries of mom's working and they just both came in to the, and Zoom bombed the meeting. But instead of, you know, making me feel like, oh gosh, everyone just waved to the kids and hello and looking at their artwork and stuff. And it, it, it does make it so much easier for the folks who are dealing with these stresses at home. Um, so I really appreciate that you're both so empathetic to your team and your employees. Who would you say is in your trusted professional network that you go to when you're feeling completely out of balance? Betsy, let's start with you. Well, I've been really fortunate over the past, you know, four or five months to, for the first time in my entire career, have a female boss um, that I feel both can provide mentorship and can provide direction when I'm trying to make difficult uh, decisions professionally. And so I've just really been grateful to be building that relationship. Um, interestingly, uh, she only started in January and we're not based in the same location. So it's created this really interesting dynamic where we're trying to build a relationship with each other, mostly online. And so I felt like I already had some practice with that. But so that's been really amazing um, to have that relationship um, and to have a support person where I can say, hey, this is a difficult decision. Can you just tell me what you think? And uh, to be able to have that respect where she still trusts me to make the decision, I don't feel like by sharing, I'm, you know, opening myself up to micromanagement. It's just a really positive relationship. And so, so I'm grateful to be able to say uh, that my boss is one of those people. Um, in addition to that, of course, my husband, um, we were very close before, but this has been a tremendous opportunity to get even closer. And so I feel like I know more about his work and he knows more about mine than we have at any point mm. in recent memory, which is a wonderful uh, thing to see. Uh, my family, we do regular Zoom calls with my parents, my sister, uh, and with my husband's family as well. So that's a nice opportunity to sort of, uh, you know, think that through. And still, you know, I have close friends. I think more than ever, our conversations are by text message because it allows us on different time zones to communicate uh, when we want to. So I haven't gotten into the Zoom hangouts as much. I actually tend to feel like those feel a little bit more like work than they feel like fun. It's not right. the same sort of relaxing opportunity, um, although I do a handful of those as well. But uh, but taking the time just to text and check in on friends, see how they're doing. They'll do the same for me. You have little snippets of conversation in which you can sort of share what's going on. I think the combination of all those things has made me feel very supported during a pretty difficult time. Yeah, that's nice. Elliot, what about you? Yeah, you know, I, I'm I'm very blessed too that that my current uh, boss is, is is a mentor as well, and has really helped me to grow in, in going through you know, when you have challenges, um, when there's different things going on and you just don't know. You need somebody to guide you. In addition, 
it really goes back to that same group of peers also that I've met through, you know, it's, it's great that we have CISO like leadership groups uh, in the different cities where some are sponsored by vendors and others where you come in and have dinner and then you'll meet some folks and you follow up with them, you know, after online. And so I've continued to kind of have virtual coffee with some of those folks during this time. And, and that's helped because those are the ones that I'm really, I feel I can really be real with. And, and you talk about share some of my political views and, and that I don't share online and kind of get their feedback you know, I think that's obviously important professionally uh, and personally to have someone that we can share freely like that that'll just listen. Um, certainly my wife, absolutely the same way. I think she gets tired of hearing some of those, though. So it's it's nice to be able to bounce that off of somebody else. Uh, if we keep it inside, it's just natural, right, that it's going to lead to the things we talked about earlier, that anxiety or anger right. or, uh, frustration. So uh, I would say those those are those are the two. I mean, certainly um, I feel very safe you know, sharing things and, and, and bouncing ideas off my boss. And then as well, again, peers that are you know fellow security leaders throughout the area um, that that I meet with, and um, and they help as well. Absolutely. Yeah. To follow up on that, I'd love to hear from each of you just suggestions for team members or colleagues about how to establish those important support networks that people need if they don't have them. Where do, where do you start? Yeah, I, you know, for me, I started with uh, ISSA, which is Information System Security Association. It's, you know, it's a global nonprofit professional organization that I joined many, many, many years ago when I first got into security. Uh, and that's just one example. And there's a lot of local ISSA chapters, and, and I'm a part of one of those. And that's a great place to start building your network. Um, from there, like I mentioned earlier, local vendor events, you know, folks, it, it can be hard, right, to do that work-life balance because we get so many dinner invites, lunch invites and such, and obviously we have to still get our job done and make sure that we're uh, meeting the demands of our family. Uh, but those are great opportunities to meet folks and exchange contact information. Back when I was in Texas, I was part of a group that we started called the Texas CISO Forum. And that was a great group. And we would meet quarterly for half day and, you know, no sponsors, no vendors, we would just talk about the pains we were facing, challenges we were facing, and that turned into not just work-related, but personal, you know. We would break off and, and chat with folks. Uh, then anytime we had some sort of crisis, again, whether it was at work or in a personal lives, we'd just pick up the phone, ask sensitive questions, and get help because we trusted those. And so certainly establishing a your network takes time. We do have so many events, or we did, so many events every day. And so for me, my own rule was, you know, I was only going to go to one per month and make sure my primary focus is my family, but I really would focus on that one event and making sure that I would connect with other uh, individuals there so that I would have those to share experiences with. Nice. Betsy, do you have anything to add to that? Um, a couple ideas. So first, um, there are a number of workshops and webinars and opportunities to join things, and especially if you're feeling disconnected, I think it's a great idea to participate in some of those. The chat functions um, do provide the opportunity to engage with people one-on-one, -on -one, and I've actually had great chances to uh, talk to folks who I otherwise wouldn't know through the chat, and then we set up a time for a one-on-one -on -one Zoom uh, to build relationships. I think that's really important. Um, for those that are, you know, looking for new opportunities for work, I think there are some 
great jobs boards and places out there to try to take advantage of. And I think that it's important to continue doing that sort of professional networking, even though you don't have uh, the same things. I'm getting even more LinkedIn requests and opportunities to engage with people. And so I think that's, uh, you know, a good sign that people are still trying to do that networking. And so finding and creating fora for those sorts of conversations is really important. And then I'd say to employers, take the time to give some folks opportunities that they wouldn't otherwise get the chance to have. So um, I'm sure many employers are getting one-on-one meeting requests. You can't accept all of them, but accept one a week. You know, give somebody an opportunity mm-hmm. to, get, to benefit from your advice. Tell them about your career and how you made difficult decisions. Share times like perhaps around 9-11 or in the past, uh, you know, financial crisis where it was difficult. You know, we all owe it to the people who helped us along our way to give back to those who are making those requests. And so I try not to do that in the context of a specific job because I don't want somebody to get a leg up in the job interview process. But whenever I get requests for people who are interested in engaging that are sort of more general advice, I try to take as many of those as I reasonably can while still doing the day job. And I think especially in this time, uh, we should all prioritize trying to give people just a few more opportunities like that uh, while we aren't traveling and doing some of the other things we normally would be doing. Yeah, and I'm sure that's so greatly appreciated. Bethy, I do want to go back to you um, I know that one of life's greatest milestones, having a baby, as you mentioned, you're 21 weeks pregnant, is often incredibly stressful for women, as you so eloquently wrote about in your New York Times op-ed, particularly as it relates to announcing a pregnancy to your employer. So can you talk about the challenges of that delicate balancing act that women often struggle with when it comes to announcing their pregnancy and preparing to be a mom while also endeavoring in your career? Sure. And I'll talk about it generally and then uh, in this specific pandemic context. So back in January, I found out I was pregnant and sort of on a whim ended up sharing that with our entire 15-person fellow class and, you know, staff pretty much the same day I found out. uh, It just, I felt off that day. I was surprised. It was early in our program and I just felt like I should share And then as a result of that, I ended up writing a New York Times op-ed piece uh, sharing even more broadly. Uh, Still have a few people who are mad they found out that way. Uh, But, uh, you know, and sort of taking a claim that it should be a choice whether or not you choose to disclose and that there are many reasons why people choose not to. But for me, it was so helpful to have support of different groups and to engage with them. And so I really wanted to take the opportunity to share and to find like-minded people um, in my situation. Um, That was back in January before COVID uh, really kicked off. I think the challenges that existed then continue to exist, but perhaps are even greater. One of the biggest fears is, will it affect your career negatively? And in a time and place when many people are getting furloughed or at risk of layoffs, that's even more serious now. And so I entirely acknowledge that. I feel very lucky that I run my own program, have a stable position, and so never face those constraints either now or then. But it's also extremely important to make sure that you get the support that you need. And, you know, being early stage pregnant can both be very physically demanding and emotionally demanding. And so having those layers of support that we were talking about is extremely important. 
I also think, you know, the hardest part now is deciding whether and what type of medical care to get, because each time I go to the hospital or to a doctor's appointment, I'm putting myself at risk of COVID as well as the baby. And so that's the hardest part. And so, you know, I've had great conversations with my employers and others about how to make those decisions. And, you know, I'm doing the best I can with that, but that is an added stressor. And so I just say to employers who know that folks on your team are pregnant, that already was going to be a stressful period in their lives. But now every time they leave their apartment feels like a decision-making process. That's a high-risk decision. And so, you know, as we think about supporting people going through all sorts of uh, difficulties, that might be one you just want to give a little bit of extra thought to. Yeah, lots to think about there. Elliot, do you have anything to add to that? You know, I, I just say, you know, obviously from a from a leader standpoint, a manager standpoint, obviously encourage uh, other leaders to celebrate when these announcements happen. Make sure they honor the team members uh, when they're out on their leave. You know, make sure that you do give them the time to build those important relationships with their newborns and for the new dads. You know, if you have a new dad on your team, same thing. That just make sure that we we focus on it, make it important to them. Throw them showers if they're comfortable with those kind of things. Uh, to just really celebrate it and make sure that someone's there to cover their duty so that they can truly feel relaxed and enjoy their time before they come back. Yeah, and I think that's a great point, Elliot, because, you know, so often we do think about the impact on women, but I think celebrating the dad aspect does shift the focus a little bit off of women and the impact that announcing a pregnancy can have on women, right? If we magnify the dad role as equally as important, that can be really powerful. Betsy, Elliot, this has been such a refreshing and interesting conversation. I thank you both so much for everything that you've shared. Do you have any last words for our listeners before we go? I guess I'd just say take care of yourself. Um, that. The only way you can provide support to your employer and to your employees is if you are in the game. And so understanding that it's okay if you need to change your hours from what they normally are or be a little less available on a particular day, that's a decision that may feel difficult in the short term, but it's the best thing in the long term. And so give yourself that time. Yeah, I absolutely would agree. Just uh, you know, making sure that you make time for yourself that you don't feel bad if you don't get something done that you had planned for the day because you needed to address a, you know something with your kids or help out around the house and just uh, be flexible uh, as, as a leader and as a manager, be flexible and totally understand your team members. Great advice. And I think that that advice should transcend time and pandemic. And hopefully those are tips that we continue to follow as we move forward into wherever the world takes us. Again, Elliot, Betsy, thank you so much for joining us today. Listeners, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.